Heaven is here. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Heaven is here. How many in the house, you just love children, and, and we love Christmas. Do you guys love Christmas? I love everything. I love everything about Christmas. I, I love the fudge. Children, do you just love that Christmas fudge? You know, every, every time this, 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 this time of the year, I, I think there's something wrong and broken with our washing machine and dryer because my clothes are shrinking on me this time of the year. And I know it's like Christmas fudge. How many children you love to receive gifts? Ooh, I love to receive gifts. And if you're thinking about buying me a gift, maybe some shoes. I wear size 10 and a half. Yeah. I love everything about Christmas. I, I, I love the gifts. I, I love the cards. I love to give. I, I love to receive. But there's something very significant that we want to make sure that we keep Jesus Christ center of Christmas. Can you say amen? Um, I don't know where you, <coughs> where you land, moms and dads, regarding Santa Claus. I personally, I'm okay with Santa uh, I did not accept Christ into my heart until I was 21 years of age. So we grew up with Santa, and, and he was an okay guy. I, I got tired of all the coal every year, but uh, now that I live in Idaho, coal is good. And I found out we live in such a, a cold place that it's actually it's turning into diamonds in Jesus' name. But uh, I think Santa is okay, and we have a picture we want to put up right now. And uh, actually, Jada Ray, Jada, would you stand up just for a second? This is my oldest granddaughter, Jada Ray Wheeler, and uh, she found something on Nan and Papa's Christmas tree, and it's just a little ornament of Santa praying, bowing his knee and praying to baby Jesus. So, Jade, I got it right here, right where we said we'd put it. I think that's a good idea. But, you know, I don't know where you are with Santa Claus, but I just want to make sure that all of our children, all of our adults recognize that, that Jesus Christ is much better than Santa Claus. And I want to give you 10 reasons why. Number one, Santa lives at the North Pole, but Jesus is everywhere. Santa rides a sleigh, but Jesus rides the wind, and he walks on the water. Santa comes but once a year, but Jesus is an ever-present help in times of trouble every single day. Santa fills your stockings with goodies, goodies and in my case, coal, but Jesus supplies all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Santa comes down your chimney uninvited, but Jesus stands at the door of your heart, and he'll knock. And if you will open your door, of your heart. God will come in and he will live in your heart and he'll live through your life. Next, you have to wait in line to see Santa, but Jesus, he's as close as a mention of his name. Santa lets you sit on his lap, but Jesus lets you rest in his arms. Santa says you better not cry, but Jesus says, cast all your cares upon me for I care for you. I, I love you. Santa's little helpers make toys, but Jesus makes new lives, men's wounded hearts, and repairs broken homes. And some of us can relate to that. While Santa finally puts gifts under your tree, Jesus Christ became our gift, and he died on the tree. Christmas, I love everything about Christmas. Do you know I, I could sum up Christmas in nine words? And I know many of you are going, we'll just sum it up and we'll go. The Bible says in Matthew Chapter 1, verse 18, nine words that sums up Christmas. Now the birth of Jesus Christ 
was as follows. Christmas is about a birth, but how many recognize not any ordinary birth? When God took on flesh, when God was born of a virgin, that gives us hope and help and peace in times of trouble. So children, I, I want to talk to you about three things today. I want to talk to you about the star. I want to talk to you about the presence. And I want to talk to you about the Christmas tree today. Um, let's, let's start with the star. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? Now listen closely. For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. It's very interesting, and I, I want you to know this, that this star that we just read about, his star, the Christ star, the star of Bethlehem, was prophesied 700 years earlier. God is never late. He's always on time. There was a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 60, and then 700 years later, the wise men follow the star. And here's the prophecy. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3, Arise, shine, for your, your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They are all gather to worship you. His star. This star is the star of Bethlehem. And what amazes me, there are some scholars that they believe that the wise men followed the, the star for maybe a, a hundred miles, but there are several scholars that believe they could have, these wise men could have followed this star for thousands of miles. But one thing we know, this star led them to the child, Jesus Christ. And I want you to think with me. That's a lot of steps to be walking hundreds of miles. That's a lot of steps to take. And they didn't know where the final destination was going to be, but they trusted the star. And one thing that I know that I've been, uh, been, been walking with the Lord for many, many years now, 39 years, is that if I will keep my head up and look into the heavens and look at his star and gaze upon his face, that I, my next step is walking more into the purpose that God has for me, more into the plan that he has for me. And children, adults, one thing that I know and I firmly believe that you can walk so many miles, so many steps away, and if you will just take one step in the right direction toward his star, the star, the star of Bethlehem, and if you will take one step, God will meet you right where you are. He will provide mercy and healing and deliverance and salvation. Can you say amen? I've been walking with the Lord, and one thing, when I walk with the Lord, it's all about faith. It's all about 
trust, but you got to keep your head up. you you got to look at the star, his star, the star of Bethlehem, because it's leading you. Every step of your life is leading you. And there have been times that have been dark in my life, and I'm going, Lord, where are you? But in faith, trusting the character of God, I'll take that next step. And then the next step, success happens when even when you can't figure everything out, you trust in the God that has your life and this world in his hand. And you just keep walking one step at a time. And as you do, God will bless your life beyond your wildest dreams. And I know God's given some of you some really big dreams and I know some, some of us today were looking at these beautiful children. They sang and danced and, man, did a couple of backflips. How cool was that? I, I worked for weeks teaching that young man how to do a backflip. Um, how many know I would be in the hospital today if I tried to do it even one, one time? But listen, maybe there's somebody here that when you were their age, maybe a few years ago or in my case many years ago, God gave you a dream. And you wanted to become something or someone. And maybe it's been a disappointment. Maybe it's been a failure. Maybe it's been a hurt. Maybe someone has let you down. Maybe you've just done something you're so embarrassed or ashamed of. You know, we all have skeletons in the closet. I want you to know that what God does best is if you would just turn around and draw near to God, God will draw near to you. And when we take that first step, listen, I believe God can resurrect those dead dreams that he placed in our lives even when we were children. How many know God can do that? Can you say amen? The Bible says in James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, so then surrender to God, stand up to the devil and resist him and he will run away from you. Move your heart closer and closer to God, and He will come even closer to you. Christmas in in nine words. The Bible says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. So let's let's talk about gifts for a moment. How, How many, I want you to think about something, all the children here. What has been, I mean, the coolest gift that you've ever been given all of your lives for Christmas? Think about it. Get it here. Okay, on, oh, I, boy, you've got a good one, I can tell. On the count of three, I want you to scream as loud as you can. Let's scare the adults in the house today. I want you to scream as loud as you can the favorite Christmas gift you've ever been given in all of your life. Are you ready? One, two, two and a half, three. Well, you kind of scared me a little bit there. Do you know what the coolest gift I received when I was your age? I was maybe, I was maybe this tall. It was a bicycle. How'd you know that? You were in the first service, weren't you? Yes, he was. <laughs> Stay out of my preaching. It was a bicycle. It was like the coolest thing. How many remember the Schwinn bicycles with the chopper fork? Uh-huh. And a little gear shift right here. Uh-huh. How many jumped that Schwinn bicycle with the chopper forks and the gear shift and absolutely destroyed it? Mm-hmm. And then I grew up, and guess what? Somebody told me about a gift that is so much better than a bicycle. They told me about the greatest gift that's ever been given, and let's read about the gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus. Listen to what the Bible says. Because Jesus received gifts. 
The Bible says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star, his star, the Bethlehem star, which they had seen in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. The young child was. Many scholars believe that Jesus was not in the manger. He was in a house, and he was about two years old. And the Bible said the star led them, and the Bible said they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house... They saw the young child and Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Notice who was in the house, Mary and Jesus, the child, about two years old. And the Bible said the wise men, they fell down and they worshiped Jesus. Never forget, no one is to be worshiped but the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we're going to talk about the gifts that they presented to Jesus. They fell down and they worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, this presentation of gifts fulfilled a prophecy that was spoken 700 years earlier in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 6. The Bible says, The people of Sheba will bring gold and frankincense and will come worshiping the Lord. So these gifts that were presented to Jesus, they represented worship. They represented giving the very best that they had to Jesus. And really, that's what worship is. A lot of people, they think worship is the songs that we sing, the words up on the screen. But that's just one aspect of worship. Worship is a lifestyle. It's always honoring the Lord with the best that he has given to you. So let's talk about these gifts. Number one is gold, and that represented his, his royalty that Jesus Christ was King of kings and Lord of lords. Gold is very, very costly, and I want you to know that God's love for you is very costly. He sent his son Jesus to die that we might be saved. Next, Frankincense represented his divinity. God had become a man and dwelt among us. He took on flesh. When the fullness of time, the Bible said, have come, God sent forth his son. Also, have you ever smelt a Christmas tree and it smelled just so beautiful? I love the mountains in Idaho. I ride my bicycle up there, and I just love to smell the Christmas tree. Is there anyone here, maybe you have a live Christmas tree they bring into your house, and it smells so good? You know what that represents, the frankincense? It represents the aroma of Almighty God. You see, heaven is here. It is that fragrance that represents the love and grace and mercy in the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So boys and girls, girls and moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, when you're up in the mountains and you see a beautiful pine tree, just take it, just inhale and breathe in the very fragrance of God. And may you never forget the children leading us into the things of God. That, that, that fragrance represents the very heart of God himself. Finally, the gift of myrrh, which represented his his humanity and literally was used for his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So the gifts come to show us that Jesus is king, God, and was man. So now let's talk about the tree. I absolutely love talking about the Christmas tree. Now children, what do you think the Christmas tree represents right here? The wood that 
God died on the cross. That's good. That's good. Someone else over here, sweetie. The lights. That's really good. What does a Christmas tree represent? Right here, sweetie. God. Very good. Right there. The middle. Ooh. You were definitely in the first service, weren't you? Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you in conclusion about the Christmas tree. The Bible says in John chapter 19, verses 17 through 20, by the way, the Christmas tree represents the cross. I'm grateful that our children this tall know what the Christmas tree represents because of great children's ministry and amazing parents who reinforce. We are here to reinforce what is being taught in your homes. So I want to take just a moment, Pastor Eddie, Mary Ellen, and adults, thank you so much for teaching and training your children up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Because if we don't train them up in the things of God, there are people out in the world that will train them up in things that will destroy their lives. How many know what I'm talking about? So listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. The Christmas tree. To be crucified. So they took Jesus away carrying the cross by himself. He went to the place called the place of the skull in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they nailed him to a cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side and Jesus in between. Jesus right in the center. The Lord doesn't want to just take up a little bit of space in your life. I'm just going to put you over here. No, he wants to be the central, the centerpiece in your heart, in your home, and on the throne of your life. He wants to be center, not somebody, well, I'm just going to have a little dab here, a little dab. No, he wants, he gave all of himself, and he wants all of ourselves. Can you say amen? never want, well, I'm just going to go to church on a Sunday. That's, that's good. That's fine and dandy. But I want Jesus to be central in every single thought, every decision, every step that I make. So the Bible says, and Pilate posted a sign on the cross which read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and a sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, three languages, Hebrew, Latin, and Greek so that many people could read it. The cross-shaped shadow could always be seen, and the screams of fallen humanity could always be heard. There's something very significant about numbers. How many children you have a favorite number? On the count of three, scream it out. One, two, three. Oh, wow. I, I, I like, I, boy, I love numbers. But there's one that stands out to me, and it's the number three. And I want to tell you why the number three is so significant. Here's just a few. Three wise men came to hail his birth. Three years Jesus ministered on earth. Three prayers he prayed to God in the garden. Three times Peter denied him. Three nails were driven through his hands and feet. Three crosses on a hill called Calvary. Three lives on Calvary's hill were lost. Three languages read, King of the Jews. Three hours the world was in darkness when Jesus died. Uh, three languages were read, King of the Jews. Uh, three days Jesus was in the tomb. And, and yes, there's very, something very significant about the number three. Three days Jesus was in the tomb. But on the third day, 
Jesus rose from the dead. On the third day, Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. On the third day, Jesus Christ purchased our salvation so we can be forgiven of our sin, that we can have a new life, that we can live forever, and one day we will be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. So let's review. The star represents hope, hope of a coming Savior, Jesus, and a prophecy fulfilled. The gift represents the greatest gift that's ever been given. While I loved my Schwinn bicycle when I was your age, when God gave me the gift of Jesus, it was the greatest gift that you will ever receive, the greatest gift I ever received in all of my life. Finally, the tree represents salvation, redemption, and hope. So why, why wouldn't people want to receive the gift of Jesus? You see, one thing I know is that when I'm weak, he's strong. When I fall, he forgives. When I fail, he just picks me up. When I don't deserve it, he lavishes his mercy, his grace upon my life. When I am confused and don't know what to do, I keep my head up and I look at the light and God comes into my life and he gives me second chances. And third, he gives me soundness of mind. Why wouldn't anyone want to receive the Lord? You see, Christmas began in the heart of God, but it's only complete when it reaches our hearts. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for these beautiful, beautiful children that have sung, danced. And Lord, as my wife said earlier, the Bible said a child shall lead them. There's something about the gentleness, the innocence of a child that opens hearts. Some can be hard. Some hearts are hurt, disenfranchised, confused, disappointed. Lord, there's something about a child that can speak to the human heart, regardless of condition. And Father, I believe that through these beautiful children, their lives, their words, their songs, you have used them to soften hearts today. And Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal Jesus to every single one of us in a deeper level today every single one of us would take one step closer to you. And Lord, I know that there are some people, they're far, far, far from you. Lord, remind them of Scripture that if they would draw near to God, you would draw near to them. That they don't have to try to undo years of abuse or addiction. All they have to do is turn around and take one step. And Father, I pray that would happen in countless lives today. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you'd say, Pastor Monty, would you please pray for me? I'm not where I should be with the Lord. I kind of represent the one that's taken some steps away from where I should be and I'm heading in the wrong direction. You might just be 10 steps or you might be 10 miles. But you'd say, Pastor Monty, would you please pray for me? Because today I'm going to turn around. I'm going to take one step toward God. And as I do, 
He's going to change my life. I'm not where I should be. Pastor, would you pray for me? With no one looking around all over the building, if you'd say, Pastor Monty, that's me. I need Jesus today. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to take one step toward home. Can I see your hands all over the building? Would you pray for me? Just all over the building. Yeah. Hands are going up. Lord bless you. Just keep it up so I can see you. Bless you. You can put your hands down. The first service we had about 25 people who accepted Jesus and took that one step toward home. We have probably 20 in this service. Could I ask you a favor? Would you stand to your feet all over the building? Children, could I ask you to stand as well? And church, what do you think? We're, we've got a whole bunch of people that are going to make Jesus the Lord of their life. They're going to turn around and take that one step toward destiny and purpose, forgiveness. I want to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask everybody here to pray this prayer out loud after me. And those of you who raise your hands, I want you to pray it with all of your heart. Children are going to pray with us as well. Would you pray this prayer? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am. Father, please forgive me for the mistakes that I have made, for the sin in my life. I'm sorry, and I repent. Jesus, I believe you died on a cross for me. You were buried in a borrowed grave. And on the third day, you rose from the dead for me, according to Scripture. And Jesus, right now, I ask you to come into my heart to be my Savior and the Lord of my life. And Father, I thank you for the greatest gift ever given, the gift of Jesus, which I receive today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we welcome these wonderful people? Welcome home. Welcome to the family of God.